This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now, your host. He is happy to see so many conferences going back to in-person. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, where it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Matt Morrow, President and CEO of the Springfield Area Chamber in Missouri, to learn how the Holman Brothers provided value to his chamber. Holman Brothers provide a great training for our sales team in terms of just outstanding sales techniques, but maybe even more importantly than that, they were able to provide us with a system, a process that was repeatable. And in that, we're able to see very clearly from one month to the next how the how the pipeline is doing, what prospects are in it, what kind of progress we're making, and what we can do to coach people to success. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Mark Cohen. Mark is the Chief of Staff at the Greater Rochester Chamber, New York. Mark became the Chief of Staff at the Greater Rochester Chamber in December 2018. In his role, he directly oversees government relations, legislative affairs, advocacy, and is the primary policy advisor to the Rochester Chamber CEO, Robert J. Duffy. Mark is charged with identifying process improvement opportunities, best practices, cost-saving measures, working with partners to promote and enhance regional workforce and economic development efforts, serving as Mr. Duffy's and the Rochester Chamber's representative at outside forums and on community work groups, and overseeing the daily operations of the Chamber Executive Office. Mark serves on a variety of boards in his community, He also serves as an EMT with Brighton Ambulance and is a 2021 Rochester Business Journal 40 Under 40 recipient. Mark grew up in Amherst, New York, and graduated summa cum laude from the University of Albany. While at the University of Albany, Mark worked as a research fellow in the office of the provost and co-authored the book Diversity at College, Real Stories of Students Conquering Bias and Making Higher Education More Inclusive. The book was named as a finalist for the 2020 Forward Indies Award and was chosen as a silver winner of the 2021 Distinguished Favorites of the Independent Press Awards. Mark, I am happy to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber Champions that are out there listening and Share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for this incredible podcast that you do. I'm a fan of yours, and I think that your efforts to connect Chambers of Commerce and staff in this way is really outstanding. Uh, you pretty much took all the wind out of my sails with that bio. There's nothing else about myself. That's it. I mean, I, I, uh, I'll tell you, I sat behind contestants row at the Price is Right, and I shouted out answers uh, you know, to the to the contestants as they were guessing, and for our show, the one that we were that we were at when it was recording, the person went all the way to the to the big prize, and they won. They won the whole show. So I guess uh, in some way, that's that's an interesting fact about me. Did they invite you on their vacation with you too for helping them out? You know, you know they didn't, and they also won a boat, and I haven't gotten a trip on the boat yet. Oh, but man. that's all right. I'm not too sour about it. There were only like a thousand other people shouting things, so it's all right. <laughs> so fun fact on uh, Price is Right, totally. Off- topic, but it, it's pretty cool. My wife's uncle 
was on Price is Right in the late 80s. And he won the whole showcase showdown, you know, the car, the whole, that is so cool. Yeah. The whole thing, the whole shebang. And that's awesome. Just just about four months ago, he was on it again and did it again. He won the whole showcase showdown for a second time. It was like 28 years later or some 30 years later. I don't know what the exact timing was, but, um, the whole thing, one, two two cars and the trip and boat and everything, the whole showcase showdown. So, um, it was pretty cool. They were showing his footage from the eighties and he was on it. And in the eighties, I think when he spun the wheel, he got a dollar exactly. And then this you know, second time, I think he ended up with 90 cents, but still, yeah, uh, he's got the special touch, but that's, he's got that touch. Fact. He's got that special quality. That's yeah. a great, I think, I can't think of a better way for you to start your show than with that. Yeah, <laughs> totally unrelated, but it's fun. So um, tell us a little bit about the Rochester Chamber, just the size, location, budget, staff, just to kind of give us an idea of uh, kind of the perspective you're coming from as we end our, our discussion for today. Sure. So Greater Rochester Chamber is a metro chamber of commerce. So we represent the nine county Finger Lakes region in upstate New York. Uh, your listeners probably know the Finger Lakes for its outstanding wine, and we are known for many, many other things as well. But uh, um, we are uh, a larger chamber of commerce. We have 1,300 members. Um, we uh, are located, our, our headquarters, our physical building is in downtown Rochester, New York, in the, in the sort of urban core. And uh, our staff is about 30 people. Something unique about our chamber is that we've got the Chamber of Commerce side. So we've got our membership office and the communications office and the policy office and, and you know, those folks. But we also have a staffing division and a screening division. So uh, a member calls us and says, hey, I need 50 temporary employees. We hire them as our employees, and then we we sort of staff them out to the various folks who need them. So um, in that way, we're sort of a, our for-profit side is as a staffing agency. So that's known as RBA staffing and screening. We also do background checks for um, for uh, employers, for um, uh, tenants, for tenant screening. Um, and uh, uh, we have found that it's a great way to uh, to earn revenue, so that the chamber can continue doing the great things that we do. Um, but it's also a really great service to to the community at large, uh, especially at a time. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later. But when, at least for us, the number one issue we hear from uh, from business leaders is access to talent. So we can say not only do we support workforce development and talent strategy in theory and uh, you know, by supporting various initiatives, we are literally doing it every single day. We've got placement specialists who are putting people in jobs, supporting our members, supporting businesses in the community in the most direct way possible. So uh, our chamber is uh, a full service chamber of commerce. And, uh, you know, we are uh, we're, we're really proud of our membership and, and um, our staff loves what what they do. And I certainly love what I do. I love that idea of, of having the staffing agency there on hand to really give that support to your members. That's a, a great idea. And hopefully one that other chambers can think, Hey, that's, that's a good idea. Let me explore that. Yeah. So um, it, is it all full-time employment placement or do you do temp arrangements at all? Or how does that set up? 
it's a great question. We do, and by the way, you're you're helping me out because our director of staffing services is going to love me for this uh, for this free publicity that <laughs> that she's getting in her team. But no, we do um, we do temporary placements and then a lot of temp to perm. Um, we do direct placements too. So for the higher level um, C-suite officials, um, uh, C-suite officers, or middle management level officers, we will place them directly. Uh, and it's you know it's interesting. Like I said, it's RBA staffing and screening. And if you look at our website to see the jobs that are posted, I mean, we post for veterinarians and dietitians and, you know, and then the day labor, you know, sort of manufacturing jobs and everything in between. I mean, it's crazy the, um, you know, the scope of, of the folks who reach out to us. We do a lot of work with our healthcare systems uh, in, in helping them to place, um, to place workers, which again, in the wake of COVID-19 has been crucial. Um and so it's uh, it's it's every level of employment, every length of time of employment, um, and uh, and it's it's a really really impressive operation that that our team um, leads. And again, folks are finding that, um, especially now, before it was great and it was important, and we you know uh, did a lot of good in the community. But especially now, when COVID nineteen has you know wrought havoc on. Uh, businesses in every way, being able to sort of be a one-stop shop to to help them to recover and build back stronger is is outstanding. That is a very unique offering that you guys have there. Yeah. And we could, we could spend the whole episode diving in deep on it and maybe we will in the future. I think that's a, a great, great topic to dive into. But for our discussion today, we'll, we'll focus more on the role of chambers as it comes to advocacy and policy. And we will jump into that discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chamber Nation hears from its customers that they help make it fun again to present the value of membership. That's because so much is provided to help each member promote their business, and with monthly ROI reports from Chamber Nation, they know their membership is already working to help them succeed. There are three words in Chamber of Commerce, and Chamber Nation knows that their customers take care of the Chamber, but Chamber Nation takes care of the Commerce. This way, both teams working side-by-side deliver a whole lot more in membership value. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. 
All right, Mark, we are back. So as we look at the, the role of chambers in advocacy and policy, um, I, I know some chambers are a little hesitant maybe to, to get their feet wet in this topic, in this arena. Um, sure. But I'd love for you to kind of take from your perspective how you add this to the value proposition there in Rochester and keeping in mind, you know, the chambers listening who maybe don't have a formal role in advocacy, how things can apply to them and, and how they can get involved in, in the advocacy and, and policy in their communities. It's, it's a great question and it's an excellent topic and you're going to probably have to cut me off 10 or 15 times because I could talk <laughs> for hours about sort of the role of this, but I'll do my best. You know, I know brevity is key. So um, the role of chambers in advocacy and in policy um, is is one that might not be immediately obvious, but um, but is, is really interesting. And it's something that any chamber can do. So as a metro chamber, we have members who join and, and our membership team is second to none. And they'll be asked, why do you want to join? You know, what's, what is interesting to you about the greater Rochester chamber? And sometimes people say, you know what, I just, I really want to do networking events and I want, you know, the spaghetti dinners and the, you know, the, the, you know, go out to a bar and get a drink ticket and just kind of chat with people. Um, and that's an amazing sort of role of a chamber of commerce. It's not really what we do. So we have something like 30 to 40 local chambers within our footprint and we have no problem. And, you know, our membership team, like I said, is second to none, but they're also just remarkably ethical. Uh, they have no problem saying, you know what, that's not really what we do, right? We don't do those weekly um, mixers and we do them every once in a while, but sort of um, what the, what your main street chambers will do. So we will refer them to wherever town or city they're in We'll refer them to their chambers and say, hey, we have great partnerships with these local chambers. Definitely join them because that's sort of what you're looking for. When people approach us and say, look, the reason I want to join is because I need a voice to help me advocate for a policy that would be very helpful for my business or advocate against a policy that would be detrimental to my business, it's sort of one of our wheelhouses. And um, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that You know, when um, at the state county, local, um, rather state, county, um, you know, and, and local levels and federal levels, we um, are approached about a policy issue or about, um, you know, a particular um, statute or, um, you know, sort of red tape bureaucracy that adversely impacts a business or that will support a business. We have the relationships to help, right? And and, and legislation can be daunting. Legislation can can be um, difficult to read. Legalese is not, um, you know, is, is not always the most reader friendly. But the spirit of the legislation is probably well known. And chambers of commerce are incredibly well positioned to advocate for or against a policy because of who they represent. They represent the constituency that would be impacted by that policy. And so, um, I'm I'm, I'm going to end my rant on that first question here and just saying that. You know, while we are lucky to have a staff that can, um, you know, read through, pick apart, um, and then, you know, establish advocacy plans based on individual pieces of legislation or based on legislation packages, any local chamber of commerce with even just an all-volunteer staff, all-volunteer board, one part-time staff, they can come together with their businesses and submit a letter to the legislature, to the governor, to the county executive, to the mayor, and just say, hey, look, we know this legislation is out there. We don't 100% know every aspect of it, but I'm telling you that based on what we do know, it's really harmful. 
um, or it's really helpful. And we, you know, we want to use our voice to, um, you know, to, to speak in favor or against uh, against that policy. So um, I got all wound up there, Brandon. I'm sorry, no, but that's no, sort that's of um, the, the introduction to it. So and a couple of different thoughts on this. So I had Brad Hicks on the podcast back in episode 143 um, from Oregon, and he was talking about advocacy and and how important it is for chambers really of any size to, to advocate for pro-business policies, pro-business candidates. And, and I know it can be a sticky topic for some chambers. They don't want to get into it because they don't want to offend anybody. Um, but being able to look at at a policy and say, this is going to help business or this is going to hurt business based on those constituents that you're representing, I think is so important and vital. Um, do there at being a regional chamber, do you guys work with some of the smaller local chambers to help gather support and input from their members to, to take to the state level or, or national level in some cases? We do. And, and you brought up a point, so I'll answer that question. Then I want to go back to the point about sometimes it getting sticky because it's really important. Um, and, and maybe some, um, you know, some um, uh, tips of, of how to navigate that. But um, we do. So we created the Greater Rochester Chamber of Commerce, created something called the Advocacy Coalition of Rochester Area Chambers. So it's ACRAC, which is just a, you know, an acronym we you know sort of put together. And uh, we started it as just a super informal gathering of local chambers from actually the Finger Lakes region and the Southern Tier um, and Rochester just being sort of a larger city in our region. We, we chose to include that in the name for um, for advocacy sake and, and sort of to catch the eye of, of elected officials. Um, but what started as a super loosely um, sort of uh, arranged group of people talking about policy turned into a real um, advocacy group. And so we will hear from um, you know one of our local chambers, and I don't want to shout out names because there sure. are so many and they're all so great, but we'll hear from a local chamber who says, hey, you know what, we're hearing from a lot of members that X is a real problem. And then another local chamber will chime in in the email and say, you know what, we're hearing that too. So we've got five or six, and rather than a chamber with 87 members or a chamber with 112 or a chamber with you know 500, we can all come together and say, we represent collectively thousands of businesses. We are opposed to this. We are supportive of this. This will hurt. This will help. If this will hurt, here's how you can adjust it. Here's how you can tweak it. And we've made impactful change. I mean, legislators reach out and say, hey, we saw your letter of support. We saw your letter of opposition. You know, what can we do to make this better? What can we do to help get this passed? Um, and and it just, it's really cool that sort of, um, th- that we were able to do that. And I, I say we, not the Greater Rochester Chamber, but we, the coalition um, of, you know, of the you know, 15 to 20 active chambers involved in the group. Um, so, so that's been a really great thing and, and a cool way maybe for Metro chambers who are listening or state chambers who are listening um, to, to engage the more sort of local grassroots, um, you know, uh, organizations regarding well, the stickiness. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to just mention yeah. that hopefully uh, most smaller chambers are part of some, regional or state coalition as far as advocacy goes, just to voice the opinion of, of their members. I hope that's happening, but I wanted to, to put a little bit of attention on this because I know there's been a lot of turnover in chamber leadership in the last year or two. So if somebody's new to chamber work, 
and they need to get their feet wet <laughs> in advocacy. That's yeah. a good way to do it is to, to find out on a regional level or state level, is there an organization that you can you know tag on with and, and be a part of to, to help represent the businesses in your community. So thank you for talking to that. No, it, it is. And, and, you know, I'll say we as, you know, a metro chamber are part of the Business Council of New York State. That's our state chapter. And um, my boss, who uh, we have a little bit of an advantage in terms of advocacy. My boss served as mayor of the city of Rochester and then as lieutenant governor of the state of New York. Uh, and so uh, the relationships that he's been able to forge have been helpful for our members and, uh, and for the region as a whole. Um, and the various boards that he sits on help to, to shed light on issues that are critically important to the entire regional economy. Um, so we are privileged in that way. Um, you know, but, but to your point, you know, he sits on the business council of New York state's board. He sits on the council of 100, uh, for the U S chamber of commerce board. So, you know, we understand the importance of connecting to our larger associations, right. Affiliating with our larger, uh, you know, parent, if you will, parent organizations. And, and we agree that, you know, local chambers, um, should engage with Metro chambers and, um, there ought not be, and I know there are, but there ought not be turf wars in terms of who's got the members and who's collecting the revenue, but rather, recognize that we're all in this for the same reason. The spirit is the same. Um, sometimes the capacity is just different because of the various, you know, financial or resource, um, you know, positions that folks find themselves in. But no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. So go ahead and touch on the the point as far as it being a, stippy, a sticky topic to, for some yeah. people to, to wander into. <laughs> It's such a good question. Um, and it's one, you know, with which we've grappled as well. So, um, advocacy comes in many forms, right? So there is everything from, you've got a chamber that's got 46 members and, um, you know, their dues are $25 a year and their dues dollars go to, you know, one annual letter and maybe one dinner. Great. And that's, that's a perfectly great way to set up a chamber of commerce and they can advocate just like any other can by doing something as, as, you know, seemingly simple as writing a letter, making a phone call, um, meeting, asking for their local town council member or county legislator, supervisor, um, you know, for a meeting, state legislator, um, to discuss an issue that's important. And then advocacy goes all the way up to having a political action committee. So the Chamber of Commerce um, has a political action committee, which is not part of the chamber, right? It's a separate entity, but, um, uh, you know, so we don't have... Um, you know, a majority of our board members on it. It's it's sort of an independent body. Our CEO is not on it. There is no uh, chamber staff representation on the committee, but it bears our name and our members support it. Our members contribute to it. And our PAC interviews and endorses candidates. And so that's as political, you know, as it can get, right? Where yeah. you're interviewing and we're bipartisan. We endorse Democrats and Republicans proudly um, and, uh, you know, and, and interview based on issues versus based on party. And we've got really diverse and great representation on the pack uh, to ensure that that the voice of large and small businesses, that the voice of diverse businesses and minority and women-owned businesses and veteran-owned businesses, that all of that is brought to the table. But it is still inherently a political process. It's a political action committee. So, um, so you know, we've, we've gotten, uh, you know, from time to time questions about how you maintain uh, relationships. And, and it's a, I say simple answer, it's by conducting interviews and conducting endorsements in an ethical, fair, and honest way, which we always do. Um, and it's by ensuring that, you know, you maintain a degree of separation where, you know, our staff is advocating for members based on the feedback that we get. We get an email from a member saying, 
Senate Bill X is going to be really, really helpful for us. And we're hoping you can help us to find a state assembly sponsor and that you can help to advocate to the governor to sign the bill. That's great. And then we put together memos of support. And the same thing is, is if it's opposed. Um, working with um, you know, our federal representatives and Senators Schumer and Gillibrand and, and Congressman Morelli, um, you know, who, who represent us on the federal level and letting them know where we stand on various issues, where our members stand on various issues. Um, it's not rocket science. And legislation and government is so, again, daunting. And it's, you know, can be wrought with bureaucracy and red tape and confusion. Um, but if you kind of push all of that aside and realize, wait a minute, this is just an issue of um, you know, another mandate on businesses. I don't know. I don't know the history of it. I don't know the future of it. I don't know who's in favor, who's opposed. I don't know any of that. What I know is that I have 46 members and that one of them or four of them or all of them don't like this new mandate. It's my job now to go out and call my legislator and just say, hey, I don't have a big operation, but I'm telling you that my membership is opposed to this. Yeah. Um, and And the impact that something like that can have is so massive. And that's not political at all. That's not sticky at all. It's not because a Democrat or Republican, you know, proposed it. It's because it's a helpful or a harmful policy. Uh, and, and you're doing what your membership wants you to do. That's right. And if you can imagine, you know, a handful of chambers across the state calling their representatives saying this is good or bad for our business, it, it gets the attention of those elected officials who are representing you. Um, that's right. So that That's really what it boils down to. I think where people tend to shy away from getting into the, the politics side because they feel like they might lose certain sponsors, um, certain members, uh, if they endorse, you know, one policy or another. And <clears throat> really it just, it comes down to what's, what's going to be best for business is what it really boils down to. It, it does. And if I just had one more piece of advice, I would I would offer this. There is a school of thought that in order to successfully advocate, you have to hold a press conference. You have to pound your fist on a podium and you have to yell at people and be angry and and you know, call people liars and and you know, <laughs> you're a liberal, you're a conservative, you're terrible, you're awful, we stand for this. And you know what? You might get some really good press out of that. Every outlet in your community or in the state might come and listen to you, and that's fine. You know, my boss has a saying that politicians have a memory of about 30 to 40 years. You know, if you offend these elected officials, they're not going to forget. You know, maybe in 40 years they'll forget, but they're not going to forget. If you try to make something political, if you try and embarrass them or force them into a corner, it's not going to go well. But if you write a letter, you're being, you can have as strong language as you want. You write a letter, you send it to them. You don't then post that letter on Facebook or Instagram or, or you know, other social media, but rather send them the letter you know, ask them that you'd like a response and have a conversation with them sort of behind the scenes, behind closed doors, where you're advocating in the best interest of your constituency, but you're not doing it in a, in a you know, in a way to try and garner attention. You're doing it in a way to, to be constructive and productive. You will be successful. And even if I say you'll be successful, because even if you don't get your way on that piece of legislation, that elected official or that, you know, leader in their, in their office, the staff member, uh, will appreciate that you didn't try and embarrass them or try and force them, but rather just tried to have a dialogue. And in the future, eventually you will absolutely, um, you will absolutely, you know, get wins and they'll start to look to you for advice on policies so that you can get in at the ground level and be proactive versus reactive. I love that thought. And I think by approaching it from behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, it it's a way where even if that elected official has some kind of preconceived notion of what the chamber represents or what they do, um, it really takes it to more of a level ground 
kind of that sane center where you're not in there to play politics, but you're saying this is what's best for our organization, for our members of our chamber. And it really takes the uh, divisiveness out of, out of politics. So I love that tip. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I don't know how we're looking on time, but I have one more, I have one more suggestion if we have time for it. Yes, please. So there is an allure, there is a, an attractiveness to meeting with the principal, right? To meeting with the governor, the lieutenant governor, to meeting with the Congress member, to meeting, you know, with whomever it is, right? Because you want to be in front of them. I worked in Albany. Um, I worked for my boss when he was lieutenant governor. I worked for our now governor, Kathy Hochul, when she was lieutenant governor. Um, I have seen how advocacy works firsthand. These elected officials, uh, everybody from our state assembly members to state senators to county legislators, they are taking meetings like crazy. They meet with so many people in a day. You get your 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm not saying they're not listening to you because they are, and I'm sure they care, and I'm sure they're great. But in order to be effective, you don't have to meet with the principal. In fact, I would say that when I advocate, I often get further by meeting with their staff, their chief of staff, their legislative director, a legislative assistant, um, you know, a constituent relations director, because these are the folks whose job it is day in and day out to be behind the scenes, to be the person behind the person, to help them get things done. So whereas you've got the principal who absolutely takes time to meet with constituents, but also has to take time to vote on bills and also has to take time to uh, do media and do fundraisers and do all of the other sorts of things that they have to do. If you can get in the ear of a staff member, not only are they more likely to, to um, probably give it um, more attention, again, not because the legislator or the elected official won't, but because it's the staff member's sole job to do that. If you can get them on your side, if you can get them to see your way, you might get five or 10 minutes with them. You know what? You might even get five or 10 minutes with the elected official themselves. These staff members are with the elected officials 10 hours a day. So if you can get one of these staff members on your side and get them to support your position, they will hammer away at that elected official day in and day out until the elected official sees it the staff member's way, which is also your way, right? So my, my piece of advice is ask for a, member with the, uh, a meeting with the member or, or the elected official. Do it, absolutely, because it's great to get a picture and put it on social media and show your members what you're doing. But don't discount the importance of meeting with staff as well, because oftentimes staff are the ones who can help you to get it done. And you'll find a lot of success in doing that. That's right. Well, and the thought that came to me with, as far as meeting with the staff is if you can turn your advocacy efforts into creating an advocate, you know, in the office there, the staff member that you win. You know, that's awesome. That is exactly right. I'm going to steal that now. So all of your listeners will know that I stole that from you, but <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but, but others won't. That's, that is a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Well, as we are kind of getting short on time, I do want to ask you what would be maybe one, I mean, you just gave a great tip, but I was going to ask for one tip or action item for listeners that they can do to, to help take their chambers up to the next level. I want any chamber listening who's not already doing it, to go on Google, type in who is my representative, whatever the first, you know, the first site that pops up is, click on that, type in your address or the address of your business or your chamber. Whoever it says is your elected leader or, or, or the various leaders, pick one of them, send them a note, tell them who you are, tell them that you'd love to show that you are uh, a resource for them in the community, that you represent businesses, that you care about uh, uh, that you care about sort of the future of the economy of your region, your city, your state, uh, and see what they say. 
And I will bet you, I bet you a cup of coffee. Next time any of your, your listeners are in Rochester, New York, and any of them who can prove me wrong, I bet them a cup of coffee in Rochester, wherever they want, that, or a glass of wine, that uh, they will get a response. And not only will they get a response, but they'll have earned a friend because the legislator, elected official, staff member who responds to them will appreciate that they took the time to reach out. Hey, my name is Mark Cohen. I'm with the Greater Rochester Chamber. I value advocacy and I value my role in advocating for our constituency. I'd love to talk to you about this, the, the state of the, uh, the economy, the state of the business community in insert city. Uh, have a great day, Mark Cohen. Um, every one of your listeners should do that if they're not already. And I bet you they'll find really, really great success. Absolutely. It sets a table for good common ground and to be able to totally. establish a good relationship. I love that too. Exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. As we look to the future of chambers, how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? You know, you and I were talking about this a little bit, you know, pre-show. I think we want people to understand the spirit and the value of chambers of commerce in the community, right? So not necessarily, you know, quantitatively what I get for this. I pay you $50 in dues. You send me a coupon for a cookie every year. Like not... Yeah. Not like that, but understand that the value of chambers comes, uh, you know, from who who we are and what we do and how we represent businesses and nonprofits and again our members in the community. That's what I would love, and I hope that you know there are larger businesses who are headquartered in various cities who continue to appreciate that. Uh, you know, here we've got paychecks and Constellation Brands and Wegmans and massive companies who very rarely need something from even a Metro Chamber of Commerce, but they believe in us and our mission and our spirit. So that is what I hope. Now, here's the reality. I do believe, not just because I'm biased, because it's my portfolio, but I believe that the future of Chambers, especially um, now, is in advocating for their constituents and advocating for nonprofits in the business community, advocating for policies that will drive the economy. Uh, and, and the last thing, which you'll have to have me back at some point so that we can talk about workforce development, but uh, the role of Chambers of Commerce in talent strategy and helping businesses to find the employees they need so that they can grow uh, and, and expand and, and flourish within their community. So I think that sort of those things represent um, the, the future of Chambers in, in a macro way. And, and by the way, I have to clarify the value of Chambers in terms of networking and, you know, a brand new business has just come to, you know, your state or your city or your county. Uh, they don't know anybody. They're looking to make connections. There is no better organization than a Chamber of Commerce to do that um, because they've got the credibility, they've got the relationships, um, so that is, it is always going to be, you know, for chambers to be a connector. That will always be a role and responsibility. Um, and, and we can never lose sight of that. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, taking the, the role of advocacy and moving it forward in the future. And I think it, for a lot of businesses just joining the chamber, they may not fully understand or appreciate that mission or vision that the chamber has, that greater mission. So you need some of those things, the networking kind of things, some of those events, some of the the things that draw people in initially until you can get them to see the bigger vision and, and really see the, the great work that a chamber can do. So I think that's a, a great tip there. Um, yeah. Mark, I wanted to give you an opportunity to put any contact information out there that you'd like for anyone listening that might want to reach out and connect with you and learn more about how you guys are doing things there in Rochester. What would be the, the best way for someone to reach out and connect? 
So greaterrochesterchamber.com uh, is, is a great way. I'm going to give you my, my email address. And really, anybody listening who has any questions about this, if you're looking for templates or sort of boilerplate emails or past advocacy agendas that we've done, uh, I would love to share. So my email is mark, it's M-A-R-C dot Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, at greaterrochesterchamber.com. And, uh, and it's not an empty offer. Um, I was so honored that uh, that you reached out to me to to be part of your show um, and uh, and to talk a little bit and and um, I, I don't take it for granted. So um, anybody listening should uh, should feel free to reach out to me uh, and you should feel free to share my contact information if um, if if folks want it. So I will put it on our show notes for this episode, which is at chamberchatpodcast.com/episode162. But Mark, be ready for some emails. There are chamber champions. They've, we've got a very engaged group and people that want to learn and, and further advance their communities. So I'm sure you will have people reaching out and asking for some of those templates and boilerplate, boilerplates that they can use to, to further advance their communities. But, um, I would love to. Anytime. Well, thank you for being with us today. You provided a lot of value, great perspective that I hope everybody can take and and help their communities move forward, strengthen their businesses, and make sure that there's pro-business candidates and policies in place. So thanks a lot, Mark. Hey, Brandon, thank you for doing this. Thank you for your advocacy. And uh, you wouldn't be around for as long as you have been with as many episodes and incredible uh, uh, guests as you have had if you weren't great. So thank you for all that you do. And uh, I look forward to keeping in touch. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Chamber leaders know firsthand how unexpected disturbances in the business environment have become the norm. Even the most experienced membership reps need to continually evolve to overcome these disruptions and create new opportunities. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round sales coaching and mentoring your membership rep needs to navigate change and continue driving revenue for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching.